Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to SEAC Stories, brought to you by the Sydney Southeast Asia Centre at the University of Sydney. This podcast tells the stories of our members. I'm your host, Tashara Dibley. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Natalie Pearson. Natalie is the Curriculum Coordinator at the Sydney Southeast Asia Centre at the University of Sydney, and her research focuses on the protection, management and interpretation of underwater cultural heritage in Southeast Asia. Most of our listeners would know that Natalie is the main host for the SEAC Stories podcast, but it's super exciting to have you on the other side of the microphone today, Natalie. Thank you so much, Tashara. It's very nice to be on the other side of the microphone for a change. Today, we'll be talking about a project that you ran earlier this year funded by the Australia Indonesia Institute, which focused on collaborative approaches to capacity building in Indonesian maritime archaeology. So you partnered with colleagues from the Australian National Maritime Museum and the Indonesian Ministry of Marine Affairs and Fisheries to run a short course for a small group of Indonesian undergraduate students. Now, one of the key aims of the project from the website was to engage the next generation of Indonesian maritime heritage practitioners and archaeologists to create new and sustainable pathways for collaboration and engagement between the two countries. So to kick us off, could you explain to us why maritime heritage engagement and collaboration is important for Australia and Indonesia? Maritime heritage engagement is of increasing importance for Indonesia and Australia. It's been embedded within the comprehensive strategic partnership that the two countries signed a few years ago um, as one of the five pillars on which cooperation is founded. And the fourth pillar in particular relates to maritime cooperation and maritime heritage is a part of that fourth pillar. And we're seeing in recent years a greater commitment certainly on the part of Australia, to embedding maritime heritage cooperation with Indonesia at a more strategic and sustainable level. Um, It's becoming part of a whole-of-government approach rather than sort of an ad hoc project-based approach. So it's really an exciting area to be involved in. There's a lot of shared heritage between Australia and Indonesia and certainly engaging the next generation um, with undergraduate students is, for me, a key part of the future priorities. So tell us a little bit about the genesis of this course. Where did the idea come from and how does it relate to your research? So when you introduced uh, me at the beginning, uh, you said that I work on underwater cultural heritage in Southeast Asia, which is true, but uh, it's more easily summarised by saying that I look at shipwrecks, particularly in Indonesia. Um, That's my area of interest. um, That has been my area of research for a number of years now. And I'm interested in everything from 9th century trading vessels to um, World War II shipwrecks in Indonesian waters. So the genesis of the course came about from another project that I've been involved in for the past 18 months, which is a maritime capacity building initiative grant funded through the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. And the Australian National Maritime Museum is their key partner in that, that initiative. And the initiative was focused on the protection, preservation and management of HMAS Perth, which is an Australian naval vessel that wrecked in Indonesia in 1942, destroyed by Japanese torpedoes. So it's been in Indonesian waters for almost 80 years now. It's as much a part of Indonesia's history as it is Australia's. And that Maritime Capacity Building Initiative was focused on engagement with government stakeholders in Australia and in Indonesia, And it also had a capacity building component, but unfortunately we weren't able to fully realise that capacity building element because of COVID and the difficulties of setting up community consultations over Zoom and in an online format. 
So the genesis for this Australia Indonesia Institute course really came about from that project because we wanted to work with the next generation of maritime heritage practitioners and, and possibly scholars and build on the, the great work that had been done with HMAS Perth, but also expand it to look at maritime heritage throughout the archipelago. We've touched a little bit on how the project came out of an existing relationship and existing project. Were there specific ways that those partnerships helped to shape the course? Well, we were really fortunate, certainly with the the opening session of the course. We had the privilege of hearing from the director of the Australian National Maritime Museum, Kevin Sumption. So he opened the course for us, as did His Excellency Heru Sabolo, who's the Indonesian Consul General in Sydney. And we were able to tap into ANMM's resources and ideas in the development of the course and the course design. But another really important partnership that we were able to build on was the relationship that we'd established with the Ministry of Marine Affairs and Fisheries in Indonesia, which is one of the lead government agencies for maritime heritage. And we had some burgeoning relationships there. And I think the Australia-Indonesia short course really allowed us to take those relationships to the next level to establish that we could work together. and. Even though the Australia-Indonesia Institute short course wasn't a research project, it was an educational program, I think it does have future research benefits because it has demonstrated to me that we've got a very good working relationship with the Ministry of Marine Affairs and Fisheries now, and we're really excited to work together in the future. Could you tell me a little bit about the students who participated in the course, what universities they were from, their disciplinary backgrounds, and just a little bit about why they were motivated to be part of the course? Yeah, because it came about from the Maritime Capacity Building Initiative and that whole HMAS Perth focus, we really wanted to make students from the local area, from Bunton Bay, which is where HMAS Perth was wrecked, a priority for the course. So we kept course numbers quite low. We kept them at 15 or 16 to foster a sort of more intimate environment online. And we dedicated six of those to the local university in Serang, Untirta, and they were actually history and education students, so not archaeology backgrounds. Um, and then for the remaining places in the course, we worked with our partners at Universitas Indonesia um, in Jakarta, um, Universitas Gajamada in Yogyakarta, and Universitas Hasanuddin in Makassar. And we set aside some places for students from each of those universities. And we were also able to offer one position to a student from Universitas Jambi as a, a favour, I suppose, for one of his lecturers who was participating as a guest speaker in the course. So it was really great to have students not just from Jakarta, not just from Java, but from across the archipelago. And most importantly, to be able to prioritise Untirta, which perhaps might not have had that opportunity, um, and to really talk about HMAS Perth and the presence of this shipwreck as a sort of introduction to those students of the richness and diversity of maritime heritage in Indonesia. Must have been great for the students as well to connect with other students in places that at the moment they definitely couldn't travel to. Yeah, we did a student satisfaction survey and that was one of the key pieces of feedback that we got because we deliberately engineered it so that the students had to work together with students from other universities. They were uh, required to do a research project as part of the course and we put them in small groups and 
I followed the SEAC flagship model, which we use on our mobility programs, our field schools. Normally, we're working with students in different disciplines, but in this course, we had mostly students from maritime archaeology and, of course, these history education students. So instead of splitting students up along disciplinary lines, I split them up based on which university they're at. So they were in small groups of four, maybe five, and there were at least three or four different universities represented, and the students really loved it. So could you tell us a little more about the structure of the course? You mentioned they had to do a research project, but what happened around that? Uh, We planned it quite carefully to accommodate existing student commitments because they are students, they're already at uni and perhaps they have caring responsibilities as well. So we planned it so that it took place on a weekend, on a Saturday afternoon Indonesia time, which is a little bit later in Sydney. Uh, And we also worked around Islamic prayer times. So we found a gap on Saturday afternoons where generally it wouldn't cross over with a prayer requirement. And then we structured it over six modules and there was quite a big gap between the fifth and the sixth module. So we spent the first part of the course, most of the course, hearing from guest speakers, lecturers, um, panels, talking about all sorts of different issues. And I'm, I'm happy to go into a bit more detail about what we discussed in those early modules And then we also had a a lot of tutorials for the students to help them design and develop their research project, figure out how to collect data, how to analyse data, um, how to go about framing a research question, you know, all of these things that you need to think about when you're developing a research project. And then we had a big gap between weeks five and week six. And that gap coincided with Ramadan, um, which is traditionally a fasting period for many Indonesians. And because we didn't have the online courses, students were able to sort of work to their own timetable during that period. And then we reconvened at the end of the course uh, for module six, where the students delivered their research presentations. So could you tell us a little bit about the course content and what your guest speakers talked about? So the first hour of each session, it was like a content session and we had it in different formats to try and make it as engaging as possible. So one week we had Sterling Smith, who's the president of the Australasian Institute for Maritime Archaeology. It was quite a catch to have him come along and speak to the students Uh, and they certainly had lots of questions for him and he was fantastic in sharing his slides and we did that with all the sessions. We shared the slides and the Zoom recordings afterwards so it was really accessible for the students in terms of the amount of content that was being delivered and their ability to go back and go through it afterwards. Uh, Another week we were very privileged to have a speaker from UNESCO Jakarta office, Moe Chiba. Indonesia is not a signatory to the 2001 UNESCO Convention on the Protection of the Underwater Cultural Heritage, which is sort of the international agreement in terms of managing underwater cultural heritage. So it was really great for her to come along and talk to the students and introduce them to the principles of that convention and also to discuss what's happening at a domestic level in terms of um, the regulatory landscape in Indonesia for managing underwater cultural heritage. Um, We also made it a priority to feature Indonesian archaeologists. So we had a panel of five very esteemed and enthusiastic Indonesian archaeologists speaking about the challenges of managing and interpreting underwater cultural heritage. And I'm going to forget somebody, so I'm hesitant to list them all, but we had Agni Mokhtar, who's based in Yogyakarta, and we had Agus Sudariyadi, who is based in Jambi and whose work I've relied on a lot in my own research. So it was really quite wonderful to have him there. Uh, Yadi Muliadi from uh, Makassar, and various other wonderful maritime archaeologists from Indonesia. And of course, I can't forget Widya Nayati from UGM, who is a leader in the field. And then 
we had a dedicated panel on careers and mentoring in maritime archaeology, um, what to do if you want to work in this space, what the options are available to you if you study maritime archaeology, do you have to go and dive or can it take you in different diverse career pathways? So we had Maddie McAllister, who's an Australian curator, and uh, we had Widya Nayati from UGM, and that was a really wonderful discussion, and I was really happy to see that it was all women, actually. Um, it wasn't designed that way, but um, that's how it turned out, that the people who were providing the career advice in this field were all women. Um, and then finally, we had a, a special dedicated session on HMAS Perth. It was the impetus for the course, and it made sense to do a dedicated case study on it. So we had um, the Australian and the Indonesian maritime archaeologists who dived on that wreck, um, Kieran Hosti from the National Maritime Museum here in Australia, and Shinatria Adityatama from Akanas. And uh, he's now a PhD student at Griffith University, which is really wonderful to see him taking his research to the next level. And we, in particular, talked about the introduction of a maritime conservation zone around HMAS Perth, which is Indonesia's first maritime conservation zone around a shipwreck. And it's um, designed to protect not just the wreck, but also all the little critters and marine ecosystem around the wreck. So that was a really great discussion as well. It sounds excellent. A real mix of practitioners, academics from both countries. A really exciting program for the students. So, I mean, one of the things that strikes me from the way you describe this is that maritime archaeology is one of those things that might be best learned by getting in there and doing some of the work and having a look at some of the sites. Uh, how did you manage this with an online course? So we're really grateful to Australia Indonesia Institute for making this sort of opportunity available during COVID. You know, without this funding, a course like this would not have been possible at all. So even though it lacked a practical component in its original design, it was still a way of raising awareness, making new connections, um, getting the word out there that this is a really interesting area of research and something great to be involved in. And one of the pieces of feedback that we got from students is that they would love to see a practical component to this course in the future. So if we do run it again and are able to travel, then that is definitely something that we'll consider. Um, but having said that, we were able to incorporate some site visits right towards the end of the course. And the Unterta students were able to visit a shipwreck artifact warehouse uh, managed by the Ministry of Marine Affairs and Fisheries, and it houses thousands and thousands of shipwreck artifacts. Uh, and really got some fantastic photos showing the students holding you know, objects that have been submerged for centuries and for many of them being history and education students. It was the first time they'd had the opportunity to do this sort of object handling and get a sense of how much um, material culture has been recovered from Indonesia's oceans and, and to start thinking about this question of how do they manage it, how do they display it in a way that's engaging, can it be used for educational purposes. So it was really great to see that collection being used in that way. Um, in Jogjakarta, Andy Henderson from the Southeast Asian Museum Services facilitated a visit to an old fort, which is now a museum that advocates for uh, the story of Indonesia's independence. And it has a small underwater cultural heritage collection. And um, the conservator and the curator were able to take the students on a tour of that museum. Uh, and then in Makassar, the students visited Benteng Somba Opu. So there are two forts in Makassar. One is Fort Rotterdam, which is one everyone sort of knows about. It's the Dutch one. But Benteng Somba Opu is a Goan fort from the 16th century, so it's much older. It's considered an archaeological site. And Dr. Horst Liebner took the students on a walking tour of the site and traced out the centuries-old line where the land met the sea. 
Uh, and again, we got some fabulous photos of the students doing those site visits, all in a COVID safe way. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see many faces because they're all covered in masks, but we got really positive feedback about the site visits and it was a really wonderful supplement to the online learning that we'd done. One of the key aims of the Australia Indonesia Institute grants is to build connections between Australians and Indonesians. What sort of lasting connections do you think have been established through this program? Well, as I said to the students in the final wrap up, they've learnt a bit about Australian underwater cultural heritage and they've learnt a bit about Indonesian underwater cultural heritage. But I think um, the main aim of this course was really to identify the next generation of leaders in maritime archaeology and heritage. In certain universities, of course, we couldn't address the whole archipelago and all the universities, but we have a sense now that there's a high level of interest. The program was really oversubscribed and I think there's lots of potential to do something like this again in the future. And as I said to them, they are each other's peers now. So if they want to undertake field work in Makassar or to visit Jambi or to explore the museums in Jogja or to take a trip to Bunton Bay to see where Perth is, um, is submerged today, they've got contacts in all those places that they can reach out to. And not just fellow students, but we really had a lot of guest speakers, um, really wonderful presenters who were so generous with their time and knowledge. And the students know that they can reach out to them directly or through me and my co-tutor, Zainab Tahir. Uh, and I think having those networks amongst the students and also the networks that I've developed with the co-tutors and the guest speakers really provides a wonderful basis for future research. In fact, we've already written an article for the new edition of Inside Indonesia, um, looking at student mobility during COVID, and we're exploring other opportunities for grants looking at Australia-Indonesia shared maritime heritage. So I certainly think there's a lot to go on with both at the academic and sort of government stakeholder level, but also with the students. Well, congratulations, Natalie. Sounds like an excellent program. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share it with you. You've been listening to SEAC Stories, brought to you by the Sydney Southeast Asia Centre at the University of Sydney. Make sure to keep up with all our SEAC Stories podcasts by following us on your favourite podcasting app. If you like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Every positive review helps new listeners find the show. And of course, let your friends know about us on social media.